0: for worshiping with us. Thank you for giving to our church. And if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, would love for you to open up to actually Jeremiah chapter 50. We'll be in Romans 3 if you want to put a bookmark there. Uh, but we're opening up in Rome in Jeremiah chapter 50 this morning. Sorry, I, uh, I made that slide and uh, was just a little bit forgetful of what I meant to write. So Jeremiah chapter 50, we're actually going to just read a couple of verses uh, that will introduce uh, a, a pretty, what may seem like a bleak subject, uh, hence the title of screen. But I believe that there is some good that we'll arrive at in the end. Uh, We don't normally, uh, maybe we don't normally hear the word lost and think, well, that's going to lead somewhere good because usually if you're lost, it doesn't lead anywhere, Uh, right? But I believe that by the end of our time together, we'll have arrived at a really good place uh, and we'll see if the Lord can take us there. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 50 this morning, we'll be reading verse number six and seven. And again, we'll turn over to Romans 3 after that and talk and look at that text in a little while. But Jeremiah chapter 50, we'll go ahead and get into God's Word. Uh, It always has truth to reveal to us and grace to fill us with. The Spirit of God moves from page to every person that reads the Word of God, and may He do that as we hold our Bibles and read them together this morning. So Jeremiah 50 verse number 6, this is God talking to us about us. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. All who found them have devoured them. And their adversaries said, we have not offended because they have sinned against the Lord. The habitation of justice, the Lord, the hope of their fathers. My people have been lost Because they have sinned. When we hear the word lost, especially with association with church, we all have... Uh, specific memories and ideas of what this means. You know, growing up in church, uh, I heard about being lost uh, and about how people were lost. How the world was lost. Uh, I never heard a, a lot of sermons about why this word was used, even though it's all over the Bible, and of course it's an appropriate word. I just never heard a lot of sermons about, hey, why did why is that the word that's uh, applied to us or or you know used whenever uh, describing our condition? Just never heard a lot of sermons. Maybe you did, and and maybe you're one up. On me, but I just never did. So uh, that's really, uh, the Bible uses that word, and, and, and I wanted to know growing up, you know, why is that the word that is used to describe us as a people, who we are, and the decisions that we are prone to make, that I am prone to make. So today's message is really a product of my own search to understand why this concept is so appropriate uh, to describe humanity and our natural disposition, our national inclination, um, as well as what is God's response to this be in our condition? And and what is God's uh, reaction to our lost condition? So today's message uh, is is really the origin is that. It's that desire within me to say, hey, if if that's something I've always wondered, maybe that's something that other people have maybe wondered. So it may be a little different than what you're used to uh, as we'll introduce the concept and then backtrack our way into what the Bible says. The good news is you're going to hear a lot of Bible today. So if you like the Bible. Of course, I think you do. We're going to have a lot of Bible to look at and some different pages that we'll turn to look at. And I think we'll have a better understanding of two things. You'll have a better understanding of yourself now, again, you may know you pretty well because, of course, you are you, but there are some things that we often do that maybe we don't understand. And the Bible says that there's things that we do that we really don't always understand why we do them when we do them, but I think today we'll come to a better understanding of why we do the things that we do, why we are the way that we are, uh, and you, you might not be glad to find that about yourself, but you're probably really glad that your spouse finds that about them so hey at least something good will come out of it but really right I think we'll have a better understanding of ourselves and maybe more importantly we'll have a better understanding of God by the end of this so I I think we're in for a productive time and I think again uh, the the text from Jeremiah may paint a pretty dreadful scene but I think by the end we will arrive at a good place and I, I really believe it'll get pretty awesome when we come to a conclusion. So again, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Romans 3, we'll get there in a little bit. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be talking uh, uh, about this subject more, but first I want to talk about something that we all have experience with, regardless of our knowledge of the Bible. You've, you can have read the Bible, I've never read the Bible, and I think we all can relate to this. Everybody here has an experience or a story About getting lost. And I mean in the real world and real life circumstances. Can we agree on that? Everybody has an experience and a story about getting lost. And the one similarity of all those stories that we probably share is it's not a good feeling. Nobody gets lost and is happy about it or is glad to determine or declare, hey, I don't know where I'm at and I don't know how to get back to where I was or back to where I want to go. I mean, you know, you might can look back now and laugh at your story, but in the moment, for however long you were lost, it probably was pretty unnerving and pretty unsettling of an experience. Probably most of our cases involve being behind the wheel of a car while we were dri- you know, b- driving or, or, or riding along as a passenger. Most of our lost stories involve being in a vehicle or, or driving the vehicle ourselves. Now, maybe some of you are the adventurous type and you have <laughs> wandered out in the wild and you've gotten lost out in the woods or out on the mountain or out on the hills. I'd love to hear your story sometime. I'm pretty sheltered of a person, so I've never been lost that way before. And maybe some of you are like the old conquistadors and you've been lost at sea. Um, Again, if that's your story, hey, that's even more incredible. It's not my story uh, and it's not most of our stories. So I think most of us, when we hear about getting lost, it's about being on the road and. Losing our way. So uh, again, we've all been lost before, and let's be honest, uh, we've all been uh, when we've been lost. It's been in a car. Now I can remember a few times as a kid when we would go on vacation or go somewhere that we weren't really normal, uh, wouldn't normally go, and I can remember getting lost. And, and but as a kid. It didn't really faze me because I was in the back seat with my head down into something, and I was engaged in that, and you know, the I just didn't really didn't really bother me because I just kind of trusted that my family would find uh, find the way. Uh, It never really got to the point where we were low on fuel. You know, it wasn't kind of horror movie stuff where we're in a dark on a on a you know road when it's dark and hey we're running out of gas and what's going to happen. That never happened to me. If it happened to you, it's a kind of a spooky time of year to be thinking about that. I hope it doesn't happen to you. So I'm praying that that you don't get lost, especially not when when it's dark outside. Uh, but again, eventually, in my stories when i when we got lost, we usually found. Away. Now it's kind of hard to get lost nowadays, isn't it, in, in a car? Uh, I mean, you know, there uh, everything we own has a GPS on it. Our cars have emergency services that if we really need to tap into, we can find a way to tap into it. Um, you know, but you go back 10 years or before, before iPhones and smartphones were, were pretty prevalent, um, before cars were adopted technology like they have, you go back 10 years or maybe a little bit before that, it, it was pretty easy to get lost, right? Even if you printed off the MapQuest, you know, y'all remember that, right? Even if you had the Atlas that you would spread out on the dash and you would say, hey, I'm going to find my way. And, and that was really kind of silly because that would just really obscure your vision and that was never. I remember those maps in the cars and I don't know if they ever really helped. But even if you had the maps and you had the, the instructions, you probably still you know, figured out a way to get lost. Now, I, I have a pretty keen sense of direction um, I'm pretty good with you know, if I've been somewhere I put it in my memory bank and I know how to get back there um, when I've been to a lot of places with, with with whether it's from dad's work or just going to different hospitals over the years and, and different other things I kind of have figured out how to find my way places um, I, I don't like using GPSs I don't like hearing that vo- I've got enough voices in my head right I, I don't want to hear someone talk to me about where to go so to my way of, of finding of finding my way to somewhere is I look at the instructions I figure out where I where how far I can go without looking at that and then I pull over and then I read the instructions. I just don't like the voices and that kind of bothers me and it, it kind of gets under my skin. But, but if you like GPSs, you're probably, you're, you probably get lost less than me. But no, I, I kind of have a good sense of direction and, and that's just something that I've worked on hasn't always been that way. Um, When when I was 17, I I remember going to Charlotte for the first time by myself with a friend, and it was really kind of a misbegotten trip in and of itself because it was after school one Friday night, and it was already late when we went. And, you know, I'd never been by myself to Charlotte to know that by the time I get down there, it's probably time to turn around and come home, right? So we went down there, ate somewhere, went to the mall, and and by the whole time that that was over with, it was already way later than it should have been. So I knew how to get there in the daylight, but I'd never driven back, and, and I remember turning on the wrong road when I I was leaving the place. So after about an hour of driving in circles, um, I, I came to the conclusion, I'm lost. And I didn't really like that feeling because I had never been lost before, at least behind the wheel. And I'd never really, I hadn't been driving, but for six months or whatever at the time. Anyway, but I, I had a cell phone. I was too embarrassed to call and ask for directions. Um, I, I didn't have a GPS in, in, in my car, or my truck at the time. Uh, it was dark. It was in December, so it was very cold. Uh, I, I didn't want to go in any gas stations because I, I decided that being lost was better than being dead um, because it was, I, was, I ended up in some pretty, you know, sketchy parts of town because I didn't know where I was. And every time I looked at the gas station and thought, maybe I should go in there. Now, Today I probably would go in those places just because I'm more I'm more brave. But back then I was scared, and and, and my my nextel phone at the time didn't have a lot of good service, so I was just kind of wandering around, hopefully hoping to find my way. So eventually, again, after about an hour of just driving around in circles, I remember I found an interstate sign that I was familiar with, went in that direction and figured out which direction to go in on the interstate. And and again, about an hour later than I was supposed to be home or expected to be home, I I made it home. But I'll be honest, and you've been there before, for that hour that I was lost, it was the most scary feeling I'd ever had in my life. I was sick on my stomach because you know again being lost in the back seat isn't a big deal but when your hands are on the steering wheel and finding the way is up to you uh there's not a much worse feeling than that and the, the mental state that it puts you in uh and I think you can relate to this it trickles down to all of your all of your faculties and all of your decisions it makes you less sharp it makes you less focused because you're nervous and you're worried about hey you know, should I turn there should I not turn there you know w- you know where am I going to end up and it makes the opportunities to get on the right path harder with every poor decision or bad decision that you make. So after I met at home, I made the decision that, from that day forward, when I was in the car, I was gonna pay super close attention to every trip I took in a car. I, a couple months ago, I told the story about the weather and how I watched the Weather Channel. I guess I became, fast, I became obsessed with maps, so there's a little bit of weirdness in my, I guess y'all can know, y'all know that I got a little bit of a, something's wrong with me, so I kinda became obsessed with, I'm never gonna get lost again. And, and thankfully, you know, I, I've, uh, technology makes it hard to do that, but I've been pretty good since then. But I think uh, we all can agree that being lost is not any fun who in the world wants to be or wants to get lost but here's what i think all of us can will will admit or all of us can agree on nobody ever tries to get lost have you ever got your family packed up and said hey let's go on a trip and we're going to get lost for two hours that's not nobody ever does that right that's kind of funny to think about we try and intend not to and to never get lost right Nobody ever, and again, this is just real silly, why am I even making this point? Because I think we need to see this to be able to understand that yet we still get lost, right? Nobody has ever said, I want to get lost, yet it happens to all of us, doesn't it? Maybe when we're behind the wheel, there's a split second that says, I don't think I know where I'm going, or I don't think this is going to end up in the right place, but we never think, we never think, hey, this might take me in the wrong direction, but we never think, well, I mean, I'm going to end up lost after this. Uh, it's almost like, and, and maybe you can, you can feel this with me, it's almost like there's this gravitational pull within us all towards lostness that we never try to, yet we all end up eventually getting lost. And, and I'm not just talking directionally, and maybe you've assumed that by now, that I'm talking about when you lose control of a certain area of your life, where you lose the handle on a certain part of your life, maybe your relationships, your finances, your schoolwork, your professional work, we never with premeditation, nobody ever preemptively says, I'm going to lose control of my life. Nobody ever wakes up and says, you know what? I'm going to blow up a certain area of my life today. I'm going to lose control, and I'm going to lose the plot, and I'm going to get so far away from where I want to be. Nobody has ever said that, and yet it happens to all of us, doesn't it? because of little decisions that we make along the way that take us a little bit farther and farther away from where we wanted to be. It just happens, right? That there's this pull from gravity, that, this force that kind of pulls us the wrong way. It's like we're in a car and we're going in the wrong direction and we take another wrong turn after another wrong turn. There's this thing in us that we just can't fight. And, and you've been there that you, you kind of freeze up and, and you, you don't even consider pulling over even though you should. And even though someone's beside you saying, maybe you should pull over. Maybe you should call somebody. Maybe you should ask for directions. And you keep thinking, yeah, I should, but I'm not going to, Right? it's like we're resigned to keep going and we're just kind of resigned to get farther and farther away. It's almost and I think almost all of our stories about getting lost go the same way and I think if you were to ask any of us it probably goes something like this. Well I didn't feel good about the direction I was going in but I just kept going to see if I could figure it out until eventually I was completely lost. Have you ever heard your husband say that? <laughs> you ever heard somebody in your family say that? Well, I, 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 you know, hey, I'm lost. Can you help me get back? Well, let me explain. I didn't feel good about the way I was driving or the way I was going. And make this about an area of your life. I didn't feel good about where my marriage was going, where my financial situation was going, where that part of my professional life was going. I didn't feel good about it, but I thought I could get back on track if I just kept driving. I thought if I kept making the same decision again and again, that wasn't good, by the way, I thought I could just brute force my way onto the right path. But eventually, I've had to admit, I'm lost, and I need some help. Haven't you heard that story before? Haven't you told that story before? Right? Right? Something happens in our brains when we make a wrong turn, when we have poor decisions that we've made morally, financially, in any area. Our brain shuts off and this sense of dread builds and builds, and before we know it, we are unavoidably pulled in by this vacuum of lostness. You know, this is how stars die all the time. Not movie stars, but actual stars in the sky, Uh, There are these things called black holes, y'all have heard about them, maybe you've you've visited one before, I don't think so. There's these things called black holes that are in space, in the galaxy, and they constantly are exerting pressure, and they are literally vacuuming stars into their void. And the way it happens is that black holes have a certain gravitational pull that can overpower a star that's passing by, even a star in the orbit of another planet or of a bigger star, that the black hole can pull that star in. And the reason is the inertia of that star or the mass of that star that keeps it in orbit of its planet or of its sun, the the inertia of the star and the planet's pull on the star isn't strong enough to fight the black hole. And here's the thing, no matter how smart you are, how determined you are, no matter, how, no matter what may you, you have devoted yourself to or has its hooks in you, there are always occasions and circumstances that we end up in the vacuum of lostness. Isn't it true? Because inside of all of us, As great as our capacity for wisdom and strength and willpower is, we all have a weakness and a propensity for getting lost. When they start pulling on us, we can't resist. And just like that, we're lost. This is why everybody has a lost story, literally or figuratively, and especially figuratively, this is why no measure of wealth, no measure of support, no matter all the things that might be going good for somebody, it's in everyone to get lost. And think about it. This is why people who have perfect picture, picture-perfect families throw it all away for something cheap and shallow. And you say, why would they do that? They had everything going great for them, and somehow they lost it. Why would they do that? It's always the people that, have the, you, know, that you would think, that, why would that happen? Why would they do that? This is why people that have all the money in the world and have all the things they could ever want for themselves somehow find a way to throw it all away and find themselves in a very bad place. Because within all of us, me and you, there's this drift, there's this nature to get lost. And maybe that suggests something deeper is going on in our souls. Maybe. Maybe we're so prone to get lost because we are lost. Maybe we lose our way again and again with our lives because we're already lost. We've already lost our way in our hearts. And could that be the case? And maybe you believe this already. Maybe you've never even thought about this. And I want you to at least consider it. And maybe if you've been told this about yourself, maybe you've never understood why it's true. So I want to help you understand why that might be true and why I believe it is true and why the Bible teaches it's true. That inside all of us, there is something that exerts this pressure and and the outward symptoms that we lose our way and the way that we lose our way, the way that we get lost, the outward symptoms are a sign that something is wrong inside of us, that there's an inner disconnect with a greater sense of direction, that we just lack a higher sense in general. Humanity has a track record that suggests something is off in our shared ether of existence. Maybe it's the air that we breathe, but nonetheless, we all have it. And isn't it true that everybody has this same problem? And that brings us to something that pretty much everybody agrees on. You can fact check me, time and place, no matter the culture, people that are religious, people that are very secular, everyone in all time, everywhere, basically agrees on the conclusion that we just arrived at. That indeed, every one of us, humanity as a whole, as a species, has a genetic predisposition towards imperfection, towards drifting away from where it, where it wants to be towards lostness if you ask philosophers and thinkers that are the most secular worldly people if you ask any religious person from anywhere around the world of any different walk of life there's literally zero conflict with regard to this subject humans don't just get lost easily but as a species in our innermost being in our shared genetics in our souls as spiritual creatures our default is lost, that we are lost creatures. As in, if you, if you were to ask any adult, let's leave the kids out of it, if you ask any adult who has a fully functioning mind, cognitively aware of right and wrong, the connection between where they want to be and where they shouldn't be, where they want to go and where they shouldn't go, they would all confess, we would all admit that naturally, usually more often than not, we end up where we would rather not be, where we did not plan to be, From the thoughts that we have, the words that we use, the things that we do, the places that we go, if there's one word to describe us as a creature, it's lost. Now, the Bible has tons to say about this as our nature, the consequences, ramifications of our bad decisions. But unlike all the worldly remedies, the Bible is the only source, and I mean the only resource, that doesn't lie to us and try to shoehorn a solution through our own efforts every political platform, every philosophy, every self-help plan, every religion basically says the same thing. Try hard enough and you'll be able to overcome your lost nature. Perfect your life and if everyone did this, we'd all be perfect. But if if you think you're doing the best you can, blame somebody else. That's what the world tells us. Apply this, add this, try this, do this, follow this person's ideas. Maybe you'll tilt the scales in your direction. Add enough weight to yourself so that when the gravitational pull of lostness begins to work on you, there's enough to keep you in line. Every religious figure, every philosopher, every political leader all say the same thing. I can help save your life if you just do everything I say you should do. But you've got to do it. But no matter how ardent we are in devotion to these different options, we always drift away. No matter how smart we get, how rich we get, all the hundred decisions that we make that are good, we make one bad one that undoes it all. Only the Bible says, stop trying to fix yourself. You're not going to be able to do it. Don't worry, though. God says, I'm not going to leave you in the mire, but we'll get there. The Bible confirms our lost nature exhaustively and the stories it features make it very clear how lost people are and the laws that are written expose us as lost. And that's why you've verses like we read, with, read in our opening in Jeremiah that talks about how we perpetuate that cycle again and again. We seem uncurable. Jeremiah's contemporary prophet Isaiah agreed with him. All week, we like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one of us." Notice the, 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 the emphasis on all and everyone. Isaiah said this but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness or our good decisions or our good efforts or our attempts to do good are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And that word filthy rags literally refers to what lepers would have covered their skin with because, hey, on the outside, it just looks like they've got some things that they're bandaging up. But when you remove the rags, there's an incurable disease that's what lostness is and that's what we we all are dealt with if you have your bibles turn to romans chapter 3 look at verse number 22 now we're going to jump in at the end of that verse where there's a period and the work the, the next line starts with four and really the, the verse should be read like this romans 3 verse 22 23 for there is no difference for there is no distinction For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, the Apostle Paul is explaining why we are lost and with reference to the thing that makes us lost or what the reference point for our lostness should be. Now, he says, hey... There is no difference. Now, if you pay attention to, to, to religion or politics or philosophy, they always make a distinction and establish exceptions to the rule. Or, and, and hey, well, we're not all that bad. It's really those people, but we've got to do the best we can to, make the, you know, to kind of overcome. But God's word says that we all share this problem. God's word says that all of us are lost, and naturally we get lost in every area of our life. The one thing the world can't figure out is how did we all get this way? How did we all get this way? And why is there something in us that bears shame over this and tries to cover it up? Think about it. We all try to hide our lostness, don't we? That means that there's something in us that understands we've missed the mark. There's something in us that feels bad. But if we all have the same problem, why do we feel bad about it? Why do we feel as if there's a mark that we've missed when we all have missed it? Isn't that odd? Doesn't that suggest that there's something bigger than just an evolutionary flaw in our genetic code? Because if that was the case, we wouldn't feel bad about it because we would just all be it. If it's normal and natural, why aren't we just content in the message we've made? But again, only the Bible addresses this with a sufficient and conclusive way. The Bible explains our lostness in a very simple way. We share a creator. From him we have our souls that God is the one who made us and makes us all and he gives us a soul and that's what is a tangible tether between us and God but also we share a progenitor and that means the first of its kind or the first of a species. We share a common ancestor and his name is Adam. From him We have sin. So from God, we have our souls, but from Adam, we've inherited this sinful condition. And over in Romans 5, verse number 12, the Bible tells us that God made us, but Adam ruined us. Romans 5, verse 12 says, therefore, just as through one man-centered sin entered the world death through sin and thus sin or death spread to all men because all have sinned that we receive something from adam as a species and it has caused us all to do the thing that he did which is rebel against god which is sin against god which is to get lost from god i want to show you this from genesis This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male, female, he created them. He blessed them and named them man when they were created. But look at this. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness. Do you see that? God made humanity in his image. But as Adam and Eve began to have children, the children were made in their image. Yes, we still bear that resemblance to God, but overwhelming that resemblance and tainting that resemblance and bringing that resemblance down to its knees is the image of Adam, the sin of Adam. So here's the tension that we deal with. God's image points us to perfection. Adam's image prevents us from perfection. Do you see the tension that we live in? God's image says, hey, you should do better, but Adam's image says, I can't do better. God's image says this is the way and Adam's image says I've lost the way. We are aware that we fall short, aren't we? We try and we try but we fall again and again. But the Bible doesn't just say we fall but again we read in Romans 3 that the Bible says we are fallen, we are born disconnected, we are born separated from God yet his image on us causes us to yearn for redemption. And that's really the Old Testament story. It's a record of one-people groups yearning and hoping for redemption. And God spotlighted and gave special attention to the Jews, the nation of Israel, for really no other reason but to leave a record for all generations and people for the future to read that our lostness and all things that, about our lostness and all the things that don't help us get out of that condition. Israel, like most ancient and modern societies, had a myriad of solutions presented to fix their problem from great leaders to clear and very thorough laws yet none of those things fix their problem the story of israel captures the impossible task of breaking the cycle of curing our lost nature no matter how many great leaders they had no matter how much success they found no matter how smart they were no, no matter how many laws that they implemented and enforced even the best and brightest stars burned out and lost their way Jeremiah said, we are like lost sheep, every one of us. Think about the heroes of the Old Testament, Abraham and Moses and David and Solomon. We know as many bad things about them as we know good things about them because even the best lost their way. It was very clear, there's no worldly cure. There's no plan that can cure our lost condition. Try as we might, Learn and earn and be warned as much as possible. We are going to drift. We are going to wander. We are going to lose our way. Yeah. over time, there were some Jewish people that were determined to find their way on their own. Because of the Jewish religion that was meant to point people to a savior, they thought this has got to be some way that we can fix ourselves and, and, and cure ourselves. And that's what religion always tries to do. Tries to fix itself and tries to fix its people and then give us a way out. Even though the Jewish religion was not meant to save anybody, but point to someone that would save everybody, out of this group, out of this religious society, came a group of people called the Pharisees. Pharisees. The Pharisees were essentially employed by tax paying money to try their best to be good enough. You meet a Pharisee, hey, say, what do you do? I'm just good. And maybe I'll be good enough to crack the code of humanity and explain it to everybody else and tell everyone how we can undo our lostness and find our way back to God. The Pharisees were the ones everyone went to and looked for for wisdom, yet with every update they always confessed, we're still working on it. And eventually, and this is how religion always got, does, as they, try, as they realized they couldn't fix themselves, they tried to save face. And they, they decided... Well, certainly God grades on a curve, right? I mean, hey, how good is good enough? I mean, a 70 gets you through school, so maybe God is just looking for us to hit a certain measure below perfection. So we're doing our best. We've minimized our public opportunities to bear, embarrass ourselves. So the Pharisees had a press conference one day. And just imagine it, you know, a, a, like a presidential press conference, a government press conference, they take the podium, and everybody in the nation is waiting and listening for what they've got to say because they've been working on this for hundreds of years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Pharisees have a press conference one day and they basically said something like this. We've figured out how to be good enough and counter the drift within us, but there's just some of you. We're sorry to say this, but there's just no hope for you. If we had a transcript of that press conference, it would say something like this. You're not only lost from God, but you're lost to God. You're so far away that there's just no hope. Try as you might to be good like us, but good luck making progress because some of us are good and some of us are bad. And deep down, they knew they were lying. Deep down, they knew, and that's what religion does. It lies to people, right? And that's what we, a lot of us grew up in. Religion said, oh, try your best, but maybe you'll make it. Probably you won't. Now, while they said out loud, we're sorry to say this, they really weren't sorry because they did this to make themselves feel better about themselves. And this was the pivot. Instead of trying to be good, they started inspecting how bad everyone else was. And that's what religion always does. They started inspecting and they build their case on the backs of the people they knock down. And they branded all the bad people as sinners and tax collectors. Sinners were people that were immoral, made poor decisions, lost their way in in all the big areas of life. And tax collectors, well, they were tax collectors. They were the Romans that were taking money from the people. So, hey, obviously they're bad, but not just the Romans. Sinners, anybody that does stuff that's openly and obviously wrong. And we'll decide what's openly and obviously wrong. But it's not what we do, it's what you do. Uh, and, And it was into this world, it was into this world that Jesus showed up. And thank God. Jesus showed up as a carpenter by trade, but eventually it was clear he was more than that. He began communicating to the crowds that God was about to do something that was going to change the world. But what was most perplexing, he spent all of his time with the sinners and tax collectors. And this burned the Pharisees up. Because deep down they knew they weren't close to God. They knew they were still lost, but Jesus was blowing their cover. They had had to make a big deal about Jesus, claiming he was from God. They had heard people make a big deal about him. He spent all his time with sinners and tax collectors. What What does that mean? Again, as religious people, they pointed the finger irrationally and senselessly. So one day, Jesus told a parable that had three parts about lost things. You know the stories. On this day, he had the attention of both Pharisees and sinners. He told a story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, and one of them lost its way. And the shepherd did everything to find that little sheep. But the Pharisees and sinners didn't understand where Jesus was going. Sheep aren't like people. They don't have minds like us. The the sheep are not responsible for their losses, And, and here's what was going on with the people in the crowds. Both sides were dealing with an enormous amount of guilt, enormous weight of guilt, and maybe you are too. Both sides were dealing with the guilt of their lostness. And here's what the Pharisees did. They deflected it. And here's what religion teaches us to do. We're all lost, but let's just find people that aren't as lost as us or don't look as bad at us. And they've deflected their lostness onto the sinners and tax collectors. But the sinners and tax collectors, they were just dejected. They knew they were sinners. They knew they had done wrong and they knew there was never a chance for them to get saved. So why would they even have hope? Because there weren't any hope. But what was Jesus saying about humanity when he compared us to sheep? And then he told another parable. There was a woman who lost a coin and she tore the house up to find the coin. But again, lost coins and lost sheep. what do they have in common with people who willingly and foolishly lose their way? But Jesus had one more story up his sleeve about a lost son. And you know the story. If you want to turn to Luke, Let's wrap up by reading that story. Then he said to them, Luke 15, and he said to them, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions on prodigal living. But when he spent all that, all, there arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a city citizen of that country, and he spent him, he sent him into the fields with the swine to feed the swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Listen, this story especially cut deep in the crowd because it was their story. The sinners had all made decisions that seemed so foolish from afar. I mean, what kind of son would say this to his own father? What kind of you know, irreverent and, and just ungodly son would say, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could get my inheritance. Would you go ahead and give me what I deserve, what I'm going to get when you die? And the father did it anyway, even though that was a crazy thing to ask for. What kind of son? And when he lost everything, they thought that's what he deserved. Of course he lost his, 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 all of his money. Of course he wasted it. Of course he ended up with the pigs. That's what he deserves, and that's what we deserve. All of us, It makes no sense, but we all are like sheep and we've gone astray. We fight this drift that leads us to the things that are obviously undeniably so very foolish and wrong, but again, in the moment, we just make one wrong turn after another, and before we know it, it's too late, right? All of them, all of us have a similar response after we make these bad decisions. I wish I wouldn't do these things, but it's like, I just can't help it. And in the ancient world, people would run to religion trying to work off and pay off their sins, hoping to tilt the scales back in their favor, or if anything, lessen the consequences. And listen to what the lost son begins to think in verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough in despair, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer to be called or worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now listen, this is so easily misinterpreted as some sort of good rationale, but I want to save you from that line of thinking today. The son thinks I'll never be accepted to God I'll never be forgiven of the things I've done. The best I can do is somehow be good enough to lessen the punishment. The best I can do is to take on a plea bargain. The best I can do is to go back and say, Okay, Dad, I've messed up. I'm unworthy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a worm. I, I have no place in your house, and I know you're never going to take me back in. Why would you? So can I at least be a slave? And that's what religion teaches us that, hey, you're never going to make it. And God doesn't want you. So, hey, maybe you can work your way back in or work something off and maybe get a lesser punishment in the end. The son, like the sinners and tax collectors, like the Pharisees, even believed that we were all lost to God without hope of restoration. The only hope that they had was salvaging what was left. And here's the point of the parable. Here's the point of the parables. All of us have gone astray. We all know that we have. There's something in us that knows we should do better, but we try as we might, we just can't do it. And religion says, "Well, oh, maybe you can patch things up. Maybe you can scrape, you can squeeze your way in. But hear me loud and clear. Jesus did not come on behalf of religion. He came to do something better and something new. He came with a solution to our lostness that has nothing to do, nothing to do, nothing to do with what we might can do, but everything to do with what God can do. You hear me on that? Has nothing to do with what you and me can do. Has everything to do with what God alone can and has done. And verse 20 is the is the payoff. And he arose and came towards his father. But when he was still a great way off. As in, this is Jesus' way of saying, he was never gonna make it back. You hear that? He was never gonna make it back on his own. He was trying his best, but he was still a great way off. Do you hear that? He was never gonna make it. He was lost. His father saw him, (laughs) had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck, the boy's neck. He embraced him, and he kissed him. The son was never going to make it back on his own. He was trying, but he was never going to make it. But while he was still a long, long, long way off, impossibly lost, caught in the wake of his lostness, every step he took forward, he was going two steps backwards. He was impossibly lost while he was still trying to make it back. The father saw him, had compassion for him, ran to him, and embraced him. This breaks every Jewish code there was right you don't touch a sinner you don't embrace a sinner god forbid you don't kiss a sinner you don't run that's not appropriate you don't run towards someone that has literally mocked you and made a fool of you and your family and of himself you don't run towards that guy you don't embrace that guy but this is the story and this is the gospel that god has seen us and that god loves us and that god runs to us and god embraces us anyway that's the gospel Not, well, if I really try hard enough or I come to myself and I go back. No, you are not going to make it on your own. We are lost and there's nothing in us that can make it better. Listen, people always preach this. It's the speech. Listen, the son's speech doesn't make a difference. His confession wasn't going to make a difference. God even The father stops him in the middle of his speech because that's not what was going to save him. It was the father running to him and finding him. The father didn't even know he was even going to give the speech. The father just saw him and accepted him before he ever gave it. Look at verse 21. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to he called your son. And the father interrupts him. Remember, he had more to it back in verse 18. He interrupts him. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, saddles on his feet, bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let's have a party. Right? Let us eat and be merry, for my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they begin to celebrate. Listen, this this is big. The son did not find his way home. The father found him and brought him home. Listen, a lot of us have never really had a relationship with God because we're still trying to find our way back. We're still trying to do enough good to work off the bat. We're still trying our best. Quit trying because you're not going to get there. But the good news is that God sees you and he's running towards you and he has made a decision. He's going to find you and he's going to bring you home. The solution for your sin is not try to stop it, try to do better. The solution for our problems isn't follow some worldly idea or some leader. It's to stop right where we are and hear the good news. There's a God in heaven who has made us, who we rebelled against, who we have guilt over in spite of all that we've done and all that we can do to fix it. Even though we've lost our way and cannot find our way back, God sees us and he loves us and he runs to us and embraces us us as we are and kisses us like a father does a lost child. That's the gospel. The solution for your lostness and for your sin and for your rebellion is not be fake and present yourself to God as if you've got something to offer him. Oh, I've got to hide this. God knows it all. He sees you and he loves you and he runs towards you. So here's the the solution. And here's what the son had to figure out. And it took a little bit. The solution is to let God see you for who you are. Let him see you. Let him love you. And let him find you. Because given the option, God's going to do all three. He sees you, he loves you, and he sent Jesus to find you. Let God accept you and let God restore you. There's nothing we can do but to let God save us. There's nothing he didn't do to provide salvation. He sent Jesus to be a living picture of the story. He saw us in our sin. He loved us so much that he became our sin so that we might be restored as children of God. Titus chapter 2 says the grace of God appeared to all of us. Chapter 3 says the love of God, our Savior, appeared to us and not by our own righteousness but through his work he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus having justified us and made us heirs made us children today maybe you need to let God see you for who you are love you and find you give up on religion give up on all the things you've been playing and trying and begin a relationship with Jesus by simply accepting what he's done for humanity as a whole and for you as a person, as his child. We've all lost our way, but, not, but we are not lost. We are not lost to God. He knows exactly where we are, and Jesus has come to bring us back, to forgive us and accept us and embrace us. He says over us all, my child was dead, but now they're alive. They were lost, but now I found them, and I'm never going to let them go. The way we receive this, the way we embrace this is we've got to let God see us and love us and find us and accept us and restore us. We've got to lift our hands. The Bible says that he will appear to us. He will find you. And today, the the church has been planted in the ground as a place for the people who are wondering, who are lost, to raise up their hands and say, God, if you can find me, I'm right here. I've sinned. I'm lost. I need a savior, but I can't fix myself. And I admit that I can't. I've tried. I can't. If you come to God in that kind of posture, I can promise you, God has already been looking for you and he's already had his eyes on you. He already loves you and he is on his way. And even as a Christian, we forget this, don't we? Even as Christians, we forget this is what it is all about. And this is where we should remain always. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the promise of the gospel that we were lost in sin and that we are lost creatures and we cannot find our way back. But you have promised us, I see you and I love you anyway and I'm running towards you and I'm going to embrace you and I'm going to kiss you like a father would a child who has been lost for too long because that's what we are. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that has never had a relationship with Jesus and they've tried religion, they've tried all sorts of games and all sorts of deflections and and all that, but they've never accepted you and they've never put their faith in Jesus because that's what saves us, letting God love us. Lord, maybe there's a Christian here today that has drifted away from what this is really all about and, and, and they've sinned and they've been felt guilty and they've wondered how can they get back to that place that they used to be at and the solution is to let God love them and to let God restore them. So Lord, would you do the work that only you can do? Would you run to your children today and would you embrace them and would you remind them that there's nothing they could do to get away from you, that you have found them and you are going to keep them forever. And if somebody doesn't know that promise, they can have it today. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.